Welcome, everybody, to Don't Panic, the podcast from Unit 42 at Palo Alto Networks. I'm Ryan Olson, VP of Threat Intelligence. Hey, guys, I'm Rick Howard. I'm the Chief Security Officer here at Palo Alto Networks. And Don't Panic is the podcast where we help you understand the big topics in cybersecurity and hopefully tell you why you don't need to panic. Excellent. And what's the big topic today, Ryan? The topic today is insider threats. Ooh, I love insider threats. I have all kinds of opinions about insider threats. You have insider threats. You have outsider threats. There's threats of all kinds. Insiders are the ones that come from the inside, though, and that's what we're talking about. <laughs> so the first question, sort of in my mind, around insider threats is, is as you know, someone who comes from things from a technology background, sometimes we sort of think, is this even, is an insider threat, someone from inside the company stealing data, doing something bad, an employee who you have hired, a person you have allowed inside, is this really a technology problem or is this an HR problem? I'm curious what your thoughts are. Right? Well, I think I'm a little bit of a contrarian here. It is absolutely an HR problem that the, the InfoSec teams can help with, right? But, uh, it, it, and we have a trouble defining what insider threat is in the in industry. You hear lots of people talking about yeah. it. So let me see if we can walk through some of that stuff. Um, let me give you a little history lesson, all right? So Please do. When uh, Snowden, when that case hit the press. Edward Snowden. Edward, the one we all know. That There's was only one Snowden now. <laughs> Poor Jim Snowden, that no, guy. That guy. Who's yeah. that guy? No. no one knows him anymore. So that was back in 2013. That was, jeez, five, six years ago. Now, yeah. Right? So I was working as a CISO of a mid-sized government contractor. Okay, And at the time, my bosses rightly asked if our own insider threat program would have detected Snowden activities before he released his classified information to the public. And I got to tell you, Ryan, I had to admit that the honest answer was no way, right? Because Snowden's system, well, he was a system administrator. Uh, he was a trusted employee, a contractor in this case, and he had the keys to the city or at least to some of them. He could get to anything. Everything. He had access to the right data. And he is the classic insider threat case, right? Absolutely. That's the guy that we are worried about. Now, and you know, yeah. Rick, at some point, someone asked me, this is a few years ago, someone in our marketing department came over and they were like, what could we have done to stop <laughs> Edward Snowden? And I chuckled a little bit, and I posed that question to my team, and the best answer I got back was, well, if we stacked a bunch of firewalls up in front of the door, <laughs> he probably wouldn't have been able to get out. But that's about all we could have done. That, I love that solution, because yeah. that's about as much as we can do. That's about as more the technology that can happen here. So um, I like that solution. All right. And one of the problems is uh, many of the pundits in our industry, uh, they discuss the phrase insider threat uh, when they are articulating when they are articulating motivations like crime and yeah. espionage and hacktivism. Yeah, I see that a lot. Yeah. It's listed right there next to activism. Yeah. Yep. So let's be clear, and I want to a little bit pedantic because that's the way I am here. Right. So insider threats are not motivations; they are attack vectors. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so let me just give you an example. If I'm a spy for my government and there's an organization that has information that I need, I might run a cyber attack against that organization. It has the benefit of being relatively cheap and not very risky. Sure. The chances you will be discovered are quite low. And even if you do get discovered, the chances that you will get in trouble for you personally are practically zero. Sure. All right. So, uh, and this is more of an outside-in strategy, right? Um, but if the information is really important, you might try to use humans to infiltrate the organization. All right. So you, you get a job as one of the contractors or employees, or maybe you bribe one of these people, or in worst-case scenarios, you might blackmail them. Um, uh, it is known a common tool for the Chinese government. They, use, uh, they track foreign executives that travel within their country. And if they are somebody they think they can leverage, they will try to put that executive into a compromising situation 
using usually involving some beautiful Chinese woman. Right? Sure. So this is yeah. this is one of the reasons that people who have security clearances go through all these background checks to find out are you deeply in debt or are you doing all these other things that might make you uh, vulnerable to some sort of blackmail. Exactly right. So if so, if you can get one of these people, this employee or contractor, uh, they will try to steal the information from the inside of your organization. So an inside out strategy. And then if you're really a big spy, you probably do a combination of insider out and outsider in to try to you know, accomplish your mission. Now, again, Snowden was not a cyber espionage attack. Okay? It's an activism or hacktivism attack, if you like. He stole NSA secrets and published them in the world in an effort to get the NSA to change their ways. And we can argue later whether or not how successful he was to do that. Yeah, so he's in, he, the fact that he was an insider is not his motivation. Right. He had a separate motivation. Right. So that's why it doesn't make sense to conflate these two things. Exactly right. right. All right, so if you think about that kind of insider threat, it's not really a cyber problem at all. Right. The, the CISOs of the world have to deal with it because sometimes the compromised employees or the contractors, they use, I'm air quoting here, uh, cyber techniques to yeah. steal some of the information. The data's all on computers. Yeah. So they put, a, they put a USB stick in, so it's cyber. Right? And the data's being <laughs> stolen, so it feels, I mean, ev everything we have is on computers. It feels cyber. It does. A little bit. Okay. Maybe they printed it off and walked out with it. That's still an insider threat. It absolutely I bet is. they still call it cyber espionage, though. I bet the CISO gets in trouble for it. I bet he does. All right, so, but... Uh, the insider threat program, anyone you build, is more akin to something you might do for workplace violence. All right, it's the same kind of idea. So how do you identify employees and contractors who are likely to blow a gasket one day and walk to the office with a machine gun? All right, how, yeah. what, how do you do that? That's a whole, it feels very different from cyber. Yeah, it's not cybery yeah. at all. Right? It's more procedure and, yep. you know, and those kinds of things. So, and those same techniques you use to prevent that problem are the same ones you might use to identify employees or contractors who are likely to steal intellectual secrets from your company or try to harm your company in some way because they are disgruntled because they didn't get their bonus or whatever. Yeah, they're they're unhappy. Yeah. And they're going to take it out in some way. And yeah. one way to take it out is to steal data instead of just coming in and being being a Or manager. even a disgruntled employee might even destroy data just cuz they're oh, mad absolutely. at you, right? So yep. <clears throat> lock all the systems and walk out the and door. Walk out and say see you. Yeah. Right? Now, okay, that all sounds very scary. It uh, does. But since this is the Don't Panic podcast. How big of a problem is this even? Is I, this like an everyday thing? Are we, are we constantly surrounded by spies in our, our organizations? Well, you know, I, again, I'm a contrarian here, okay? Uh, first, um, this is a risk assessment situation for everybody. And we've done several podcasts now where we recommend considering the actual risk of the problem that's staring you in the face, right? Yep. So. Insider threat is no different in here, right? I believe so, we like the phrase material impact. Material is the material. way to do it. And, yep. I, you know, I always like to phrase it. Will an insider threat materially impact your organization, say, in the next three years? Yep. Right? And so for most organizations, that probability is probably going to be pretty low. Pretty low. And may not be worth the expense and trouble of establishing these giant processes for finding, you know, insider threats in your company, Right. Um, many organizations start out strong, okay, trying to do this, trying to discover uh, that there are no insider threats. They have to build all these processes. It costs a lot of money, okay, but you may decide that it's not worth the effort, okay, for the kind of risk that you have. Right? So if someone did decide they want to go and build this kind of program uh, and they, you know, they're on the technology side of things, they're not the HR person. Yep. You know they're going to try to. They're going to need some data. Like, what kind of data do you even look at for trying to discover an insider threat? What's what's the what's well, the reference? Well, it's like we said at the beginning. I think the data you're going to get is going to be supplemental to mm -hmm. these investigations. So if, um, let me just recommend a book for you. Sure. And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. 
Uh, this book is from the Cybersecurity Canon Project. Um, uh, it's in the Hall of Fame. It's one of the first books we put into the Hall of Fame. It's called The CERT Guide to Insider Threats by Don Capelli, Andrew Moore, and Randall Treziak. I hope I say that right. All right. Okay. Uh, and they really, it, this is not a book you're going to read cover to cover because it's not that exciting. No, it's a it's bunch not the one you keep next to your no, no, no. nightstand. Uh, but it, you do. It has great information about you know about sixteen strategic goals that you need to do to have any kind of uh, useful uh, insider threat program. Sixteen is too many. Do you it's, have a smaller number of goals yeah. for me to pursue? Yeah, let me boil it down to four. Okay, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so here's the first one: train employees and managers to watch for the signs of potential insider threat behavior. We know what they are. They're outlined in the book. You can, it's just training, and you just have to have uh, employees and managers looking for signs, gotcha. similar to workplace violence. Okay. Right? Uh, and then, once you figure that out, you need to provide mechanisms across your organization to report and review that activity. Right? So there has to be a, a reporting channel to say, hey, that didn't look right. Joe looks like he's sad at the waterhole, okay, so maybe we should figure yeah, out. Yeah, if the manager identifies it but doesn't say anything to yep. anyone who's going to take some action on it, then uh, yep. nothing's going to happen. All right, and so then uh, this is where the automation might come in. Okay, this is where those tools that you might search for things that are happening on that particular employee. This is number three. Establish and maintain the apparatus to monitor for potential abuse. And so what that could be is why don't we just watch – uh, what Ryan has been doing for the last sure. few weeks. Is he is he downloading or exfiltrating a lot of data that he doesn't normally do? Um, what is his pattern? Am I logging into a bunch of systems I don't normally yeah. have access to? Is he trying to get into a bunch of systems? And you wouldn't have that on for everybody all the time because it, you know, it would take too much and uh, it would be too much process. But if you've identified someone you're worried about, it might be time to turn on some of those extra tools. And to that point, uh, the only way to really monitor for all that kind of activity is to, from a, from a network perspective, from a host perspective, be able to have the things in place to gather that telemetry. Uh, right. If you have no way to know, is someone logging into hosts that they don't normally log into, or are they logging in at strange times or doing those kind of things? Um, you know, you, your users have to have access to the data for their job, but they don't necessarily have to have access to everything in the entire network. And this is uh, potentially a place where people who are looking to implement some sort of zero trust network, where only hosts and only users who really have to have access to a single to a single application of some kind, that's what you're deploying. It, you know, it has a big impact for outsider threats, but for insider threats as well, I think it might be a, a helpful solution. Yeah, you don't want the marketing department to have access to the M&A database. No, right? if and you have a fully flat network, uh, <laughs> no bueno. So if I compromise the marketing executive, uh, I shouldn't be able to get the financial data from wherever that is, right? Yeah, just so, decreasing the risk at that point. And that's just common sense, ex yep. uh, implementing your zero trust policy. There's, lot, there's technology out there that works uh, today can do that, all right? So uh, uh, reach out to us and we can explain how that gets done. Uh, and then that's the last one. Number four is mitigate the risk before any damage is done. Try to discover right. it before it happens. You see the signs. You report it up the chain. They put some automation in and say, oh, yeah, that's something weird going on, and stop it before it happens. Yes. That way you don't actually – you don't want to be cleaning it up after the fact. You don't want to be – you don't want Snowden on the news. You no. want to have stopped him <laughs> on his way out the door because you grabbed something before he actually got there. Exactly. So that's why we don't panic. It's not that big of a deal. Most organizations don't have this as a major risk to their, uh, to their organization. It's not going to be material to them. Um, but if your culture is very uh, risk-averse and you feel like you need to spend some time on it, really go get the book from Capelli and team, The Search Guide to Insider Threat. Read through that. I think you'll find some great ideas there to implement your program. All right. Well, thank you very much. That was helpful, Rick. That was excellent. Excellent. 
And that sound means it is, again, time for the pop culture moment. I've said it over and over again. It's the only reason I do the podcast. The only reason we do this podcast. <laughs> so this week, what we've got is a clip from Scorpions. Now, we were very excited about Scorpion when it first came out. We were. I remember having the conversation. I, I was hoping it would give us a lot of things to talk about on this show, <laughs> and it has. And I believe we've talked about it a couple times yeah, on the show have. in the past. So this one is, um, I believe the first one we talked about was the first episode of Scorpions where a guy literally hacks into a flying airplane by driving underneath it and feeding an Ethernet cable up to it. Mm -hmm. That one was quality. This one's <laughs> not that bad. This is season two, episode 11, and this one is talking about a ransomware hack. That is how it is described. Yep. So ransomware has been in tons of media recently um, because it's it just impacts so many people. So in this case, um, it doesn't require a lot of setup. Let me play it, and we will go ahead and discuss. Last week, the Department of the Interior was infiltrated by sophisticated ransomware, which resulted in a complete system shutdown we could not undo until we met the demands of the unknown hacker. Why didn't you call us? Demand was only 20 grand, deadline was tight, possibility of PR fallout, we paid it. Morons. That's unfair. Yeah, the morons, they demanded a small amount because it was a test run. Would the ransomware work? Yep. Would you fold like a lawn chair? Yep. So there's another ransom. As of yesterday, Except now they're threatening to shut down the Federal Reserve if they don't receive a quarter billion dollars in Bitcoin within the next 72 hours. They even sent their own countdown. All right. Well, our hypothesis on these pop culture moments is if there's a ticking clock, it's probably not going to be that good. But this is not completely bad. There's some good stuff in this little segment. Yeah, there's, there's some good stuff. There's a lot of, there's a lot of jargon in there. Um, but that is basically how ransomware works. Infiltrate the network. Uh, encrypt all the files and then hold people for ransom. Sometimes people pay. We always recommend people don't pay, but a lot of people make that choice because they got to get their data back. Um, there are some weird things, though. Well, the thing that is not working in ransomware right now is the typical ransomware practitioners okay, sure. do not hit you once and then hit you again. That's No, that's pretty uncommon. Uncommon. Yeah. Yep. And in this case, they hit the Department of the Interior first, and then, first, yeah. and then threatened the, to take down the Federal Reserve which those are pretty different agencies. Like the federal government is all one big organization, but I I'm suspect those you, networks aren't attached to each other. Well, I'm not saying you couldn't affect both organizations, but it seems totally odd possible. that you would you know, do one and then do the next Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, 250 million in Bitcoin, that's a lot of Bitcoin to get Bitcoin. access to. That's a that heavy a, bag of Bitcoin. That is an <laughs> extremely heavy bag of Bitcoin. So in general, Scorpions, you know, the, the idea of this show is that there's a group of elite hackers who are together and they're helping the government hackers in the things. traditional sense not just not sense. just yep. computer hackers but hackers who can you know all different kinds. twist the systems to do things they need them to do yep and they're basically out there solving solving the big problems for people mm -hmm. um and they're super super smart we had great hope for that series we did you know I, anytime there's a new technology series like i want it to be really good i want to go and watch it i remember when scorpions first came out partly because i thought we might get some good stuff for it i bought the whole season like on on <laughs> iTunes or whatever, and I never made it through the whole thing. No. I just couldn't. Uh, it was just too hard. Not even so on airplanes. We're going to give it a warm recommend. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, some of this stuff is pretty funny. Um, but if you like watching hacker shows, this is a this is a whole bunch of it. I meant for this episode. It's not horrible, bad. Uh, that pop culture moment is. Yeah, we'll give it a medium. We'll give it a medium. I'll give it a medium. Okay. It's not the worst. It's not as bad as feeding either a cable up to a seven thirty seven yeah. that's in flight. <laughs> Holy moly, was that bad. All right. I think we have killed this one as well. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and please come back and join us for the next one. Yeah, we'll see you at the next one, guys. You've been listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series. For more useful information, including conversations like this one, visit paloaltonetworks.com.